0: And for week two of the summer reading series, we are extraordinarily excited to welcome to the stage the authors of the book, Hope Heals. Please help me welcome Jay and Catherine Wolfe to the Fresh Life stage. Oh, you guys, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can all be seated. My goodness, we've been looking forward to this.
1: Oh, what a blessing it is to be here. Thank you all so much for having oh, yeah,
2: it me. It's such it's a really joy to have you. To We're actually. so thankful that you guys would come and. S- and spend time with us. We're so thankful for you guys. Oh, gosh. Likewise.
3: Just have us back. We love Montana. Come on. What's, yeah. This state. So oh, my good. God. So is
1: amazing.
3: Sorry, and, Utah, too. Oh uh, Utah, Utah.
0: Beautiful. Utah <laughs> ain't getting no love all up right. in the summer too. series <laughs> like so, it is in your heart. We, I think we you flew through
1: us. Utah to get here from L.A., oh, yeah. so we love Salt And now Lake. you're speaking right. to Utah, too, on.
0: Hello to yeah. every single location. And if we had you just a few months later, you'd be speaking to Wyoming, too. So that's pretty darn exciting. Yeah, really cool. Well, we're thrilled to have uh, you uh, with us um, and your book available at every location. And if you're watching online or on the podcast, you got to get this book, Hope Heals. Um, The message in it, the story that takes place here, um, I can't wait for this conversation just to get to talk about the journey and some of the book stuff. But let me tell you, whatever happens uh, during this this church service, uh, you need to get this book and read everything yes. that's inside. T- I read it in yes. one sitting. Yeah. Uh, it it couldn't put it down. And um, oh. I just want to say before we go anywhere else, thank you for your courage in in putting pen to paper yes. and giving oh. the world okay. this.
3: Yes right back at you come on right back at you thank you guys too
2: yeah i don't know if i can say this but if you if you can't get all of the books and you can only pick one you should pick this one
0: (laughs) We won't tell the can't other authors that I was said. <laughs> and if you can't afford it, just go into a Barnes & Noble and steal it, Jenny. Just tell them that to you while you're... Can't say that
3: either. All uh, right, we, 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 can, we can talk
0: about that all, okay. all day, but I want to I jump right in. Um, we both, all four of us here, were married in 2004, Jen and I, and, and you guys were um, married that same year, and life just could not have been filled with more promise. You guys are married and and all
1: born in 1982. All born in '82. Yeah.
0: Representing (laughs) child of the 80s up in here. Same age, but we both had a child born in uh, 2007. Yeah. But, 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 I mean, you promising modeling career, actor actress, uh, just everything. The name and lights is what was was, was mo- you guys moving towards. Um, I think we have a picture of the of the wedding picture uh, right on the on the screen here from when you guys were first married. What beautiful, yeah. beautiful uh, so people. Beautiful. beautiful I just have one question a, for promise. you. If you <laughs> shock him will he turn green and hey, smash hey. things? Uh, oh. <laughs> Because my goodness, Mark Ruffalo, by the
3: way. I've been called worse, so. I,
0: yeah. I don't know.
3: We have I'll a planned surprise. We're going to shock you and see what happens. Just <laughs> a little bit. Now, uh, you know, 10, well, how many years? 13 years? Almost 13 years. Almost 13 yeah. years yeah. later. Um, and you're pursuing a law degree at the time? Yeah, yeah. I, so Catherine and I are from the South originally, the Deep South. And the we, Dirty, Dirty. The Dirty, Deep South. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Alabama and Georgia and we met in college and got married shortly after and uh, decided, you know what, let's do an adventure Together like let's move to California. We don't know anybody no family um, I had gotten in law school at Pepperdine, which is on the beach in Malibu and Catherine had these great dreams uh, She'd kind of done some modeling in the southeast and so I was gonna see, you know I heard you won the best actress in
0: all of Georgia.
1: Oh,
3: uh,
0: yeah Yeah,
1: it's big time I mean. Yeah. I'm kidding. We, we, <laughs> I like to say that the highlight of my career was that I um, was in a Disney catalog. We may actually have a photo of this. Um, and it was the online Disney catalog before people had computers. That so amazing. is gracious. amazing. gracious. The Tiki Room. amazing. I feel like a
0: pina colada all of a sudden. Yeah, it was a,
1: it was a Tiki That's Hot Moo Moo, 25th anniversary celebration Moo Moo. So it was kind of a big deal. Oh, okay. well, that's really good. Like, I and, mean, that was a dream. And that's current right
3: now. That looks like it was taken just that's a minute so, ago. Yeah, we don't still like. that. And I don't know who that man is. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, but, you're, but you're hunting no him sand. down. You're yeah, on yeah, mission. That's really <laughs> weird. Okay, so so now, Jay, fast forward <laughs> Isolos, all this yeah. stuff. You're about to graduate with your law degree from Pepperdine. You guys are right. living in Malibu. Hello, not struggling. Um, uh, <laughs> your, your career is taking off so many opportunities and promise. Really now, cool. Take us to uh, that day in April on the 21st of 2008. Sure. So.
3: Yeah, really quick, just rewind a second. So we had a baby, too, kind of out of our plan. You know, we were going to maybe wait till our 30s when we were more established in our career and have a baby. And yet, as God often does, you know, our five-year plan is not God's five-year plan. Aww. And thank goodness for that, because uh, James Thompson Wolf was born in the fall of 2007. I was in my final year of law school. And this was, you know, just not in our... That, that's not what we were planning. And, and this seemed like this detour. And um, six months and five days after that picture was taken... Um, the great storm yeah. of our lives would come. Yeah. And you know, this question, my dad actually is a pastor and on our, our wedding day, he preached from Matthew 7. Uh, that asks, just like, what are we building our house on? Wow. Are you going to build it on the rock or the sand because the storms are coming and it really matters right. what you're founded on. Right. And uh, you know, in the moment, we're 22 getting married, we're like, dad, that's such a bummer, wedding message, right? <laughs> like the love chapter would be a little more <laughs> like appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Storms, yeah. houses, houses falling, totally, like, what are totally. you doing? But I tell well, you God now, bless you all, this, the house yeah. fell. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that stuck, that question of like, what are we going to found our lives on? Are we going to invest ourselves in the church and something transcendent in the work of God in this world, or just in ourselves and kind of keep putting off that investment for years. And, l- and luckily we really did invest our lives in the community of Christ in our church for many years leading up to mm-hmm. this great storm. And of course, you know, nobody thinks there's going to have, you know, you're going to have storms in life, yeah. or right. maybe there'll be a leader down the road or whatever, but um, this happened when we were 26 years old. The bottom just fell out of our lives. And so-
1: I was perfectly healthy. No health problems whatsoever. No medical history. Nothing. No, Not a smoker. Nothing. No reason to have a massive brainstem stroke. And but that's not.
0: what happened. You're making lasagna.
1: Yep. You would tell you to sure. tell this part. Yeah. I am making lasagna in my kitchen and I'd felt funny, but I'd felt funny for months since having this baby and not sleeping, so I'm in like this weird delirium right. anyway. Right. So I didn't think <laughs> anything of it. So I'm just decided to shake off these feelings and Jay happens to come home from his final law school class to finish a paper and print it. So he's in this like window of 45 minutes and he's able to call 911 when I'm making lasagna, the baby's down for a nap, he's printing the paper and I collapse and my hands and knees and legs go fully numb and I start throwing up and I'm like, oh, I guess I ate something weird, or I'm just, you know, I'm not even processing how serious this could be. I call for Jay, he's able to call 911, and they they quickly come, put me on a stretcher, and as they're reeling me out of like our dorm we lived in in the married housing at Pepperdine, I'm thinking like, what did I eat yesterday? Nice. And like, I wonder what this could be? Or am I just like really too tired from not sleeping with the baby? Yeah. And like, what's gonna happen to my breast milk? And how are they gonna feed the baby? And never once considering what was going on, wow. honestly. And my final thought upon like being taken out on the stretcher of the apartment was, um, I just, I don't want to cause a problem and make our neighbors worry. and. I'm like, maybe we should get a toothbrush, because we'll probably, we might have to stay the night. Who knows? And I would not know at that point that as we leave it, I lose consciousness, with the final thought being grab the toothbrush, that that I would only wake up from the coma I was in two and a half months after that moment. So I mean, like, rock your world, horrible.
3: And so from there I rushed with our baby down the Pacific Coast Highway along the ocean to UCLA. And you know, maybe this is reminding you of the day in your life when things fell apart. And um, you know, when you got the diagnosis or the news, there's this line of demarcation in your history, you can't ever go back across. And for us that day was April 21st, 2008. And uh, you know, I remember rushing to UCLA, I didn't even know they had a hospital, it was a college. You You guys didn't
0: even have a family doctor.
3: Yeah, we really were like super healthy. You know, 26, she just had a baby and naturally, and it was like, just there was not in the realm of the possible that a life threatening medical situation would happen out of the blue. No warning, no symptoms. And so, you know, I remember rushing up to the hospital and seeing this giant banner that said UCLA hospital best in the West, number three in the country. And I remember thinking, God, in this chaos, you're making a way. You're bringing about order in the midst of everything falling apart. And that's what God does in our lives, in the midst of our suffering. And I ran into that ER, and I remember looking around that day. It was a Monday, like at 3 p.m., and I was confused because there were familiar faces sitting there. And I realized it was my church who had shown up to go before me. And you know, so often we. When you guys drove an
0: hour and a half every, every Sunday to well, get to Bel Air.
3: Yeah, not quite that. But yeah, it was. we lived in different parts of LA during our you know early years there. And so we, our first Sunday in LA, found a church. And that was it. Done and done. And that was our and even life. when you move far away. We moved far away. We, far away, we're, we're we, drive we, we it. kept driving because that was. And we
1: still go there today. Yeah, we're still
3: there now today. You, talk, yeah. in the book, you yeah. talk
0: in the book about how. When you got to Los Angeles, here you are, promising career, about to open up as an actress and as an attorney, as eventually, living the dream by worldly standards. I mean, right. Malibu, California, hello, that's where Tony Stark lived, you know? Yeah. And um, this, this, is, this, is, this is good. He's and, not real. Um, <laughs> he's not real. No. Bruce Banner, uh, <laughs> you can tell us about that. But, but, but as, 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 as life goes, most people, I don't think, you, you talk in the book about how your number one decision at the top of your list after unloading your car into your apartment was, we're going to find a church. Yeah. And I, I, just, I just wonder if you had any clue when you were making those decisions that you were populating the seats in the waiting room at a hospital Oh, that's eventually. right, Levi.
1: That's so a good dangerous. point. And I, I would say... Pretty much um, our whole lives, actually, were leading up to those moments. Every small decision, every every person pointing us to Jesus, every word of God we knew was all just this compilation of those moments. Of we are able to walk with God through this, and we're going to cling to Jesus because— it almost wasn't anything that we did. I take the zero credit, but almost. Well, you
0: proposed to her in a church. Right. And <laughs> as you did, so you planned the I church you were getting married in. You sang, may God bless you and keep you and cause his yeah, face to shine upon you. That's in true. your proposal, <laughs> not knowing it was the wrong song. But, <laughs> which right. is a great story as well. But, but you guys literally, there's, there's, a, there's a stream. A lot of people go to church once crisis hits. Oh, I need to go find a pastor. I need to find God. You guys, there's a stream in your journey of you guys choosing to build your life on the rock before crisis showed up. That's
1: so true. How I like How instrumental to say do you pre- think
0: that is mm-hmm. in-
1: I like to say, and I know you say, saying, train for your trial, and I love that. But I say, prepare for the pain. Come on. That's oh, preparing so for Come on. the- Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank God. <laughs> that we have to be prepared for the inevitable and unavoidable pain that's coming to us all in this life. You guys know that so well. And not just the, we were talking about this the other day, not just the crisis, but the aftermath. That is also so painful. And where do we go with the aftermath? And have we not been pointed to Jesus since we were small children, in fact? um, and just surrounded by Jesus' people our whole lives. I don't know that we would be sitting on stage before you today. So Jay, and so,
0: so the hospital room's full of these people from your church, the doctor comes to you, and, and what does
3: he tell you? Yeah, so the doctor on call that day just happened to be this world-renowned neurosurgeon who took some of the hardest cases, just that was who he was and who he is. And um, he said, I need you to know that your wife may not survive. And we may not even be able to do surgery, you know, she's maybe too far gone at this point. And you know, just in that moment to have all these dreams for your future and this life you have, you know, after law school, new baby, um, hanging by a thread in a moment is the reality of the world that we live in. Whether we like to see it that way or not, everything can change just in an instant. You could have done nothing wrong. You could be doing everything right. And still it can turn upside down. And so again, it matters what we're founded on because in that moment, my people, my church people surrounded me. I couldn't take another step. I didn't know if I had the faith even to, to say, God, where are you? You know, there were no words, there were groans, right, and right. yet my people surrounded me in a way that made God tangible. <laughs> you know, this invisible God that we give our lives to, sometimes we just need somebody to hold on to, whoa, to beat whoa. their chest, to be held by, and that's what the body of Christ is. It comes alive when we need Him the, the most, and that's what the church was and has been for us and continues to be. And they just sort of carried me to this waiting room. And I I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. But I never had truly experienced church until that night in the waiting room. And I think what it taught me in that moment is that you know we think sometimes worship is this overflow of just when everything is just synchronized and perfect, and it just the vision of our life has just come to fruition, and the reality is the most pure worship is when everything else has fallen apart and fallen away because we we can recognize in that moment that God is all there is left
1: yes. yeah he's the only hope Amen.
3: of us moving out of this pit to something new and different, and uh, that night we worship together in such a profound way that I know impacted people who were also totally separate waiting for their loved ones in that waiting room. And I, and I read, I remember from Romans 8, which was a chapter Catherine had uh, memorized as a child. And, yeah. you know, to tell you the truth, some of those verses, just that nothing can separate us from God's love, that, um, you know, we're all more than conquerors, good good. all things he's working together for good. Like, it felt like it was a lie in that moment, Right. you know, just to slap this idea that there's goodness and love in the fact that my six-month-old may wake up without a mom tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And yet I I realized I couldn't just say those words. I had to bet my life on (laughs) him, And more than that, I had to bet her life on him, And know that God is who he says he is, no matter if it's light or dark. And that moment, we sort of, as a community, gathered around those truths before we could even fully understand or believe them and move forward in faith in the promises of what God has already laid ahead of us, and that next morning uh, the sun came up. The surgery was going to be maybe eight hours. It was 16 hours of micro brain surgery, and they had to remove part of her brain and do a lot of damage just to save her life. And the surgeon said, "Look, she she's alive, but we don't know if she's ever going to wake up or if she'll be paralyzed or vegetative. But she's alive." And for some reason, that moment, I think like the gift of grace, God just gave me the spark of hope. And uh, you know, we talk a lot about hope and what that looks like to a world that doesn't even know if they can get out of bed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And we've been there. And yet the the reality is hope is this promise, this future promise that we live out in the present. And in some ways it doesn't even make sense given the circumstances and the storms that surround us. And it is a gift of the spirit that we can see this vision of the future almost behind the veil. Like we talk about a lot with Hebrews 619, this forerunner that is Jesus has gone ahead of us. And we get to sort of live into that future reality. And that's what started in that moment, you know, she was maybe not even going to wake up, but um, there was this sense of hope that God had spared her life for a reason, and that we needed to lean into that and come around her and lift her up on this just struggle of her life.
1: And I did wake up.
3: You did, okay. Did. So you did wake up. Yeah, I did. Surgery successful,
0: but you're in a medically induced coma that would eventually the, that coma would last 40 days.
1: Oh, longer. So 40 days, I was in ICU. And then I would move to acute rehab for a different phase of the hospital for two and a half months, and then move for another year and a half to the brain rehab. So over two years in total of um, medical stay and Life is nightmares. very different
0: overnight. But when you first were coming out of your coma, talk about that, realizing this. Because this, you had these many, many weeks to process this. Right. You did not. Exactly. No, it, it's Levi, all that crashing was, down on you.
1: Yeah, I, I was playing catch up the whole time, like everybody been processing, and I'm waking up, laying in the hospital bed, and I can't even fully wrap my mind around it, that this is my life, and they're feeding me through a tube in my stomach, and I'm severely disabled, and it was... I mean, all these machines hooked up to me and just nightmares physically. And yet that pain was like nothing compared to the emotional pain of them bringing baby James into my room for his daily visit with his mother, where they'd like, I mean, wonderful sweet friends and family would bring James in to see me. Look at this
0: beautiful picture of baby James right there.
1: Right on that picture, gosh, it almost makes me cry every time I see it. I have no memory of that day. That's still in ICU, and that's my first Mother's Day.
0: That was and, Mother's Day right there.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really sad because um, my friends put James in his little mom onesie and, like, take him in. And I just think of what Jay must have felt in that moment, too. And, oh, it's just really tragic to think that, um, yeah. That happened. It really (laughs) stinks. That that happened. Um, It's so
0: hard reading it when you talk in the book about it dawning on you that someone else had been taking care of him for all this time. Right.
1: So during my Daily Gems visit, I. Couldn't even really just enjoy those few minutes with him because I was obsessed the entire time he was in the hospital room of how I could feed him. I didn't understand that I didn't feed him anymore. I wasn't quite processing yet. And so I would think like how I could modestly like move the hospital bed up and cover and feed him, because he had to be hungry. And I didn't know the months had passed and that he was not only not fed by me anymore. But it was like this heinous disconnect from him um, because I wasn't caring for him anymore, obviously. And you can imagine that pain was way worse than yeah. anything they could do to me, as yeah. you guys know so well that when your baby's in pain, there's nothing, I mean, please just hurt me, do anything, right. but don't hurt my baby. Right.
0: Jay, you talk about glimpses of God's glory in the midst of that, though. You, you you describe a moment. Tell us about when the light was shooting in through the windows, and you saw the pinpricks of light all over your mm. life.
3: Yeah, I, um, So you mentioned two, forty days. You know, she was in the ICU. Just her body was trying to learn to breathe again. Um, and it wasn't thirty-nine or forty-one. It was forty days. Forty days, right? And so there was really this um, these details you know, that God works in. If you're new to church, totally. that's a symbolic
0: period all over scripture. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: It's this number, you know, sort of, you hear God's people wandering in the wilderness for uh, 40 years. Right. And, and so, the, you know, to me that spoke such comfort that God was gonna lead us to something, uh, something that He had promised us. And, um, wow. and then I remember one night I was reading the book of Job. Again, Job is really, you know, the ultimate guide <laughs> to what this experience of suffering intersecting with God in this world looks like. And it's a hard pill to swallow, some of it, frankly. And I remember reading, I think it's Job um, 5, where it says, God's hands wound, but they heal. And you know, that's so, it's not a theology I'd really heard a lot, because we don't want to talk about how God can allow things that he hates sometimes to accomplish the things that he loves in this world. right? Because that's complicated, deep territory. But I remember thinking with our friend, the surgeon who had saved her life, who had really put his, even career, I mean, the liability of of operating on somebody who may well die or be stuck And he knew you were an attorney. He did, that wasn't a great thing for him (laughs) to know in that moment. Yeah, yeah. But he had wounded her gravely so that he might ultimately help heal her. And so in that moment, Job and her in the ICU, there was just something that spoke to me that in all of these broken places, this golden light, <laughs> just this spiritual, transcendent experience mm-hmm. of what God does through our brokenness, not in spite of it, but right through it. Yeah. I saw that in that moment, and it gave me such a vision for the future, not even knowing what we were up against, yeah. you know, in this new life. But to see that God is working through these most horrific situations in our life to produce and rebirth like something totally new.
1: And to be perfectly honest with you, in those moments, I think the Lord was really encouraging you that I would be healed. Mm. And I have been healed fully, which sounds crazy because I'm in a wheelchair. But um, I think the Lord separately gave us both a sense of the healing is of the soul. Wow. It has nothing to do with the mere body. And um, I think for us, it was a process to get there because of course straight out of like I see you I'm thinking when I came to like I'll just be walking in on the beach next summer with my girlfriends and our babies and we just had no idea what I was up against and was... Quite, quite possibly lifelong. I don't put God in the box. I don't know. But I'm, I'm pretty messed up, as you could likely see. My hand doesn't work. My face is paralyzed. I can't walk. Blah, blah, blah. Huge health problems, like nightmare. Mm-hmm. Eleven surgeries later, like things are not well physically. And yet even in those early moments, God was giving us most of the sense of like healing is happening. Yes. Because what is broken is your heart. And your life is not going to look like where you thought it was. Right. The expectations are what's broken. But we must expect less of our broken world and more of God. Whoa. And Come that's... on that you...
0: <laughs> <Catherine, like, clears throat> You had to relearn to walk again. You had to relearn to talk again, and for a long time, you couldn't eat anything because of the paralysis of the nerves that control swallowing. Right. You tell us a little bit about that process, and and specifically when you were pla- planning a trip to Mexico to eat everything you weren't allowed to eat.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I not eating is like the worst thing in the world. Take a few, take a few meals off from eating, and then try a few days, a few months. It's Gosh. like. Unimaginable. And it wasn't hunger because they were feeding me through a tube. Sweet husband was feeding me through a tube in my stomach for eleven months. But um it's the cravings are just so awful. It's just terrible. And it's so isolating because you feel like food is this connection to people and the world and friends and family. So when you can't eat, you're all alone. And it was just unimaginably horrible at every level. And um I would daydream and nightdream, I guess that's how you say it, about um, escaping. And I would just sneak out and take a quick size LAX to Mexico and eat churros on the beach and like celebrate. And um, I actually tried, I got out of bed at the hospital and fell. You and were I, headed to Mexico. And I was, it, it made perfect sense. I would just like catch a plane to Mexico and Jake could meet me down there. And I love,
3: I love, but you fell and that was not fun.
1: Right. I so. fell, but nothing was broken that time. So that was good, honestly.
3: And, and you know, it's been um, this evolving process of, of celebrating the smallest things. You know, every time we sit down now to Coffee and a cookie or a meal with our family. Like it's a holy experience. And the first taste. Yeah. The tell us about the first taste. Oh, the
1: first taste on was. On a t-
3: significant day. Yeah.
1: Heavenly. Well, you know, it was a process of trying foods for months. So I had lots of first taste in a way, but the first, like, time I really ate, I ate flan. Do you know what that is? Like at a Mexican restaurant. Oh. I mean, I could have just, I don't even know what. I wanted to, like, <laughs> scream from the mountaintops that flan, this is the best. <laughs> tasted. Oh. It, we like to say, or we we hashtag on Instagram a whole lot. Don't wait to celebrate come on. because we That's love so the come on, idea. Come on,
0: let's celebrate right now. And, oh. That's
1: great. Yeah. Well, and that—that's how we're called to live. We're called to live not waiting to celebrate, because tomorrow may not come, honestly. But also, what we are celebrating is not outcome. What we are celebrating is God's presence, His provision, His protection. We're—we're actually celebrating the God with us. In life, in their moments, and not like an outcome that may very well not come. Actually. And you got a taste
0: of your baby's cupcake, I right? It was not James's cupcake. It was one of the. You're exactly
1: right. Yeah. I would, I would lick baby food and have to spit it out, and just all kinds of just yeah. gross, sad stuff. Because when you can't eat, there's this animalistic quality to food. But obsession. Jay, you always
0: weren't saying one day we're going to get out of this and minister to people. One day we're going to get out of this, and eventually, we'll, which is what's happened, of course speaking all over the world. We first met speaking together at an event with 60,000 people in the Georgia Dome. I mean, we got as used to you speaking as he has. It's amazing. But you weren't waiting. One day we'll minister. Talk about the people
3: in the waiting room that you were getting to minister
0: to right then and there. That's so true. While your wife's in the coma. Right, I think
3: um, we talk, uh, you know, we think about the grieving process, and you've probably heard of the five stages of grief and things like that. And I think that when we add a sixth stage of, of service come on of looking outward that's oh. when the healing really begins oh, and um, i don't think i don't think we can ever start healing until we play a role in the healing of it's others We've so oh. gotta stop oh. and just like, absorb that because that was yeah. straight powerful. well it's 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 the truth and i believe i mean so often when we are wounded when we're in pain it feels so justifying to just say everybody needs to cater to me and you right. need to help me but we found just counterintuitively and again so much of, of the kingdom of God is just the counter to what the world tells us and what even our flesh tells us. And so God says, I want you to now look out with what I've given you because there's so many people hurting and they're going to believe you because you've been there already. And, you know, even for us... Um, early on, we just were given this sense that God was doing something bigger than ourselves, and we wanted to come alongside the people whom we had just been in their very shoes weeks before in the waiting room. Isn't it
1: Second Corinthians 1? Yeah, and now, shouldn't
3: it? Exactly, Paul, in Second Corinthians 1, um, he says, you've been given hope, you've been given comfort, not so you can be comfortable. Right. That's not the point of it, <laughs> and that's understandable that we'd want to feel comfortable when we're hurting, but the point of it is that we might give it away. And you know, we're so worried, like in this scarcity mentality, that we're not going to have enough if we give of ourselves. And God says, I'm asking you to give from what you've been given Come on. by me. Yes. And I'm going to keep filling you up so that you can go into those places that you said, God, don't ever make me go back there. Like we had been in brain rehab for two years, and we're like, thank God we got out of there. It was dark. It was painful. People were dying. They were in the worst spaces of their life, and we were too. And it was horrific. And more recently, God has said... I want you to go back there, because they'll listen to you. Come on. And in the giving of that hope that we've received, They might know the God of all comfort and hope, and that is what we call hoping it forward. And this is a cycle that is so powerful, this healing cycle for all of us hurting, all of us in grief. we got to look outside of ourselves. It's going to be so easy to stay myopic and stay focused on our hurts, but God says, I'm going to explode this pain and create something totally new with these ashes and with these pieces that have broken apart in your life. I'm going to build something new, and I'm not just doing it for you. I'm doing it for everybody.
0: Jay, right now, uh, that red light, that camera, that represents people in Billings and Bozeman who are in a waiting room right now, and they're, 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 they're thinking about how they're going to get through this, but God wants that sixth stage of grief to be what would help them to be unlocked in the midst. Would you just speak to them for a moment and just encourage them?
3: Friends, I would encourage you. You know, you've found yourself maybe in a place you never thought you would find yourself, and we all have. And, in, you know, we think about this feeling of being crushed, this feeling of being abandoned, this feeling of being destroyed, but we know God's word says because Jesus has been crushed on our behalf, he was abandoned, he was destroyed on the cross, we will never be. So those things that you're afraid of right now as you sit in those places, know that because Jesus has taken that on himself, you can in freedom go and give the hope and the comfort and the love that you've been given by him to people in need next to you in those waiting rooms, and those hospitals, people who are on the verge of despair Not knowing if they can take another step forward, you can say this is not the end of your story. There's a new story for you, and I encourage you that that is where your healing will begin today. Come on, great! I feel you're encouraging somebody right there.
2: So good. One one thing I love about first of all, you both write in this book, and so um, you get both of your perspectives. And it's neat how it starts, Catherine
0: Jay. So you know who's writing what. Yeah.
2: Um, But one thing that I love is how you even explain, like, kind of what you expect. So, like, for you, going into, oh, I expected to to take my, my bride to my friend's wedding and still be in his wedding and walk down the aisle with my wife. Like, I love how throughout the book you say things that you were expecting, like, or dreaming or um, hoping for, but those things didn't necessarily happen the way you thought but i just love that push and pull that tension of well this is what my hopes my hopes were getting up for this but it didn't happen the way i thought but i still trusted god anyways and i just i i just love that perspective of in the midst of dreams being dashed and 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 things not going the way we planned that god is still faithful and it went most of the time, opposite of what we thought it was going to go or what we hoped it would go, but God is faithful in the midst of it. And I just I love that that perspective that you guys so openly share, and you it's kind of just that push and pull and that.
1: You're so right, Jenny. I I love that tension, too. And I think when we, which y'all clearly do this, by the way, when you view your life as a story that God is writing, it changes everything. It's like, wow, this was unexpected. This was a, a quote-unquote detour. I don't remotely believe in those. It's the path he has. But if we see our life as a story he's writing, it just got really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the volume just got really loud on that microphone of terrible pain. To gosh. use your reference, Jay, Jay
0: you put this. Uh, and that's awesome. You said, if suffering is like going through fire, I wanted to choose what this inescapable process purified in me, and what it melted away. I found my faith and my hopes solidifying into something more constant than my emotions or circumstances, creating an altogether separate organism. Mm. And that was so freeing. Similarly, the commitment I had made to my marriage was growing deeper, more enduring, and less dependent on whether a given day was a good one or a bad one. You talk about ninety percent of marriages who have to experience severe disability not not making it, and yet you're saying I'm growing to love my wife more and looking less for the emotions or feelings. Speak to that. Yeah, I think,
3: you know, um, this experience of getting to um, do this journey together has been uh, one that will change me forever, and it's been an opportunity I think with our very lives and our marriage, which is full of complications. I mean, we get in our best fights right before we go speak at a church. That's oh, just always. how it goes. Struggle is real. You know, it's just oh, yeah. how it goes. Always. <laughs> and, um, fight over stupid. St- you know, anyway, we're, our marriage is still just very uh, real in the struggles of this world and this life, no matter what we've been through. I'm
1: deaf in one ear. Talk about a marriage problem. You can't yeah, you, you, you beat Oh, my god. Literally gosh.
3: the deafness. <laughs> totally. Uh, Stroke can't take us down, but deafness might as well take our marriage down. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to say what again. Please, just listen. (laughs) Anyway, the, you know, the idea that hope is not this wishful thinking, that hope is a person. You know, because of what Jesus has done and is doing and will do, we can live lives that don't make sense given the circumstances. You know, we can literally celebrate now and not wait to celebrate because God has given us this day and this breath in our lungs for some reason today. And that is a gift that is worth celebrating, even if it looks nothing like what we thought it would look like. And that's about marriage, too, you know, in a world that tells us, look, your truth and what you think is your destiny. It trumps everything else, trumps everyone else. And if something's in your way, if a person's in your way holding you back, you, 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 you need feel out. free to get rid of them and move forward. And to just see what staying has given me in my life that is above and beyond, I mean, immeasurably more than I could have ever imagined for my life had I said, you know what, I can't handle this, i got to move on. Um, you know, God has has just taken my struggles to just show up every day, imperfectly as it has been, and he has given me through his spirit the strength to give Catherine the sense that she's not alone, and I think, you know, we talk about God coming through Christ in this incarnational way, and that is the ministry that he, he gives each one of us. It's this ministry of presence. You know, it's not just here's the one, two, three steps. It is I'm with you. <laughs> You're not alone, and from the beginning, that's just the only vision that God gave me to to have Catherine know through my very presence next to her bed. You know, I wasn't giving her the platitudes, I was giving her just the sense that you don't have to do this alone. Yeah. And she's given me that sense right back. And the gift that that has been to our lives, to our kids, I think to our community, maybe through this book, to to, to people to say, you know, you can stay and God is going to give you the strength that you need. It's not going to be in, in your own strength because I, I know if it was up to me, if it was up to the resilience of my spirit, we wouldn't be here today. It is a work of grace, and it's a miracle that God has allowed us to continue to do this life together, but I will say, you know, the, my one prayer, I look at the, the prodigal son, and, and I, I look sort of at the, the character of the older brother, and you know, he's a good example of somebody staying, and and yet, I think he left in his heart long before. Wow. You know, and wow. so the, the thing I pray, God, let me stay in body, but more than that, in my spirit. Yeah. You know, I don't want to okay. just be a warm body next to my wife. I want to be alive, and I want to be embracing this new normal That's God's so given beautiful. us. Mm. That's my Catherine, that. my um, uh, um, I, favorite
0: of my 19,000 dog-eared pages um, <laughs> is where you write in the epilogue, suffering powerfully informs who I am now. It's not your identity, but it informs who, who you are now. While awful and painful, affliction has led to a heartbreaking but beautiful deepening in me. I have learned to embrace the suffering. Right. I have learned not to push back, but to lean in hard yeah. when it hurts the most and press on. Right. Pain has been an instructor, teaching me deeper truths about myself and God and bringing me closer to Christ in a way I never was before right. this happened. We've talked about pain being powerful, and God can use the power. But what I am blown away by your journey is the way you say you've learned to cherish your pain. Right. And I would love for you to just explain what you talk about when you say bitter and sweet, good right. and hard.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I'm so struck that it may not look like it to the world, but this is a seat of honor. That God has has said, you know, I I get to be the queen for life <laughs> of a day in, in a thousand years time, I guess, or vice versa. But that um yeah, this is this is kind of weird. This is a new normal that definitely was not expected. And When I've leaned into that, and I'm not perfect at it, but really said, you know what, Lord, like, yes, this is my story and I will wear it well. Um, There's such a joy because God is saying, let this be your teacher, let this be your tutor in life. And not everybody gets a tutor like this. Everybody will have pain and suffering and many will reject it and want to get back to their old life. But if you go deep, it's so beautiful there. Isaiah 45.3 says that, um, that he will show us the hidden treasures of darkness, riches stored in the secret places, so that we may know it's God, the God of Israel, who has summoned us by name. And... I feel special. I feel like God chose me in a world where this could be seen as nothing, but like, you have been forgotten. This is a mistake. I feel like I am so worthy. God told me, it's Ephesians 4.1, this is a special calling that I want to live a life worthy of. And it's um, upside down kingdom thinking that makes us all okay.
0: Yeah, but but it took you it took you some time to get there, um, and you talk try a you, lot of years you, to well, get
1: there. You, t- you talk sure. about
0: um, coming to a place where you are um, wondering if God made a mistake, and Absolutely. the revelation. I, I wonder if you would just encourage someone at our church or on ch- our church online who's at that place, that dark place of wanting to die, maybe, or feeling oh, like God. Oh,
1: friends, and all over the campuses, all over Montana and Utah. Let me let me tell you that. I am in there. I've wondered if God made a mistake. If he shouldn't have just taken me home. That leaving me in this broken body. Um, it's just too much that I'm caught between life and death, and I'm not really alive. And your specifics may be different, but maybe some of you can relate to that feeling. Of, this can't be what God intended. Something's the matter here. Um, that's a lie. That's not true at all. The truth is your story just got enhanced for His ultimate glory and for somehow you're good. It may take years to see it, but hold on. Because what God is doing is everything that's been downloaded in you, your whole life, that's about the Lord, or maybe starting yesterday, is somehow coming out. That, that um, I don't know, I think of that First John 4, 4 idea that he is greater than anything in the world and that all things are working for good, that Romans eight twenty eight passage, that ultimately that Ephesians 4, 1, that we are called now to live lives worthy of the special calling that we've received, that God has set you apart. And now your charge, and I love this in your book, is to suffer well, to champion suffering, and show the world how it's done well. It's so important.
0: We're so deeply ministered to by you guys. um, And uh, you guys have more joy and more exuberance. Being with you is more fun. And and honestly, I, I don't even think there's, peop- there's people who don't deal with a tenth of what you guys do. Back in June, you were in the hospital for a couple of weeks, a Nick's artery in your neck, what you guys deal with every day, and yet the joy of the Lord is all over your face. I just have to say
1: that's because we love our lives so much. Come on. Like, I mean, we're living the dream. Hey. Like, it's awesome, and people are crying about the dumbest things. Like, <laughs> this world is amazing. So like true.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Jace>. It's true. <laughs> And fo- you guys are such a fun follow on Instagram. Yeah, your, your, oh. your dance parties and life and just this celebration. And, uh, Jay, just for a moment, tell everybody about the, what,
3: what, what, the blessing God gave you guys in 2015. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we've had some ups and downs. You kind of think sometimes you got suffering and that'll be the end. And we've had highs and lows. We, Catherine had an aneurysm, totally unrelated, that our friend and the same doctor removed. And um, after that removal, she was given clearance of crazy enough to get pregnant if we wanted to. And we felt God really opening our hearts towards that again, uh, despite fears and, and just, you know, just struggles of, could we even do this? And um, then summer of 2015, in June 26, we had a baby named John. Come on. John, yeah. And um, what was kind of hate is that we named him uh, John after the gospel writer. You know, John means the Lord has been gracious. And, um, And then this neurosurgeon, you know, who was a stranger, but for us intersecting in the midst of our pain and for him sacrificing and offering his gifts for our healing, uh, his name is Nestor Gonzalez. And so we named John, John Nestor Wolf. And I Googled around and, and I, before John was born, and I found that Nestor means homecoming. It means wisdom. And it means seeker of miracles. Beautiful. And so, you You're know, whenever come on, whenever um, anybody says, "Wow, that's an interesting middle name," you know, John can say, "Well, I have a story I want to yeah. tell you." Come on, and we all do, and, you know.
1: And, and John 9:3, I think of John 9:3, where the blind man gets told this happened so that the works of God come might on. be displayed oh, that's in amazing. him. Um, hey,
0: Fresh Life Church, could we thank the wolves oh. for being with us? and just honor them. We're so grateful. You guys are heroes and legends, and we're glad to be in this young suffering club together. I wonder if, before we we close this time out, if uh, maybe we could just bow our heads, all of us praying. And um, I'm going to ask you guys to say a prayer in a moment. Um, Catherine, I'm going to ask you to pray. Um, But first, I just thought, as we just kind of accept what's happening here, maybe you're watching a church online, maybe you're driving your car listening to this on the Live Link or at one of our locations. And right now, whether you're sitting in a seat of honor or you're dealing with um, a debilitating, painful issue or, or, or some sort of crushing grief or mental illness, um, the wolf God has opened their eyes up to see one-fifth of the world's population uh, is physically disabled in some way. And they were talking about their heart to see that, but mentally disabled. Whatever your uh, issue is, or grief is, or crushing blow is, before they pray for you, I just wonder if you wouldn't just ra- maybe raise up a hand if you're hurting at our church this week. Just raise up your hand if if there's something you want to learn to cherish, something you want to see the sweetness in what feels only bitter right now, and just this 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 acknowledging that by raising your hand up is your way of saying to God, I, I hear you and I realize you've sent your servants to minister to me now and Jesus is working in my life. Just raise up your hand, receiving that prayer, receiving that blessing, raise it up, raise it up. And once it's up, you can put it back down. And I'm going to ask, Catherine, would you say a prayer over these hurting hearts today?
1: Sure. I want to start by quote, dear Father, I want to start by quoting the scripture that Jay referenced. So powerful for us all. 2 Corinthians 4, I think it's 7 maybe, that we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are never destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our body. Let it be, Lord, for us all as we suffer. Let it be showcasing to this broken world how you are alive and at work in each of us, Father. I pray powerfully, Lord, in your name for any and all who are suffering, which is everyone, that you would give us courage to suffer well, to wait well, to hope well in you, in what you are doing in this world, Lord. I pray that we would see our bodies, anybody dealing with anything medical, in mental or otherwise, anything physical or emotional, any brokenness, as a temporary assignment yeah. in this world, Lord, that they are assigned to this for a reason. Let them live into their assignment. Let them champion it, Lord. We are so struck by stewardship, Father, that you are calling each of us to steward exactly what you've given us to your glory, Lord, and for our good. Let it be Lord let us be people that will take it and say I will use this Lord and I will give it back to a world that needs it so badly our offerings are each so unique but the world needs them so desperately. Let us live into them and never reject them, but bring them in close and cherish them because they are what you are doing in this world each day, Lord. Let us us have eyes to see that way, Father. I wanna conclude by praying, Father, for Hebrews 12 to reign that because of this great cloud of witnesses, Father, let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. They were the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, Lord. Let us run wor- and live lives worthy as we run of this great prize in you, Father. It's in your precious Son, Jesus' name I pray, amen.
4: Amen, amen. What an incredible message. Thank you for joining us this week for this teaching at Fresh Life Church. If at any point during the message you felt led to make a decision for Christ, please click the Know God tab on our website. Once you're there, you'll find a short video that will help you learn a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we would love to congratulate you and support you in this decision by sending you some resources that will help you start your relationship with God on the right foot. Also, if you've been impacted by the ministry at Fresh Life, we would love to hear about it. You can go to the Share Your Story tab on our website, fill out the form, let us know how God's working in your life. Trust me when I tell you that this is so encouraging to our staff and to our entire church. We love hearing how we're impacting you and how God is working in your life. Lastly, if you'd like to partner with us financially, and support the work that God is doing through Fresh Life, you can click the Give tab on our website. That will take you to a safe and secure website where you can set up a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift that will help us continue to help those stranded in sin find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us.